there were leaked um, a balance sheet um, document of Alameda, right? And it showed that they had more liabilities than assets, um, if I remember correctly. And so that was a story that broke and people started speculating on it. But for the most part, there weren't like any large withdrawals, what so to speak, out of FTX. Days ago, somebody relatively prominent said, uh, Bitcoin is bigger than the internet, bigger than the industrial revolution. Was that Tim Draper? And it's exactly what's happening with Bitcoin. Bitcoin. I don't know why I said anything about it. Bitcoin possesses all the attributes, not only of good money, but of supremely good money. But of course, it's not financial advice. Hello and welcome to Not Financial Advice. Today we're on with Kareem, our co-founder, and me, Max, head of research, and we're going to be talking about the FTX fuck up and everything around it. There's a lot going on there. I hope YouTube doesn't censor us for having said that, but I mean, just much cooler title than anything else. And it's the truth as well. It's like literally what happened. Um, yeah, we're you doing can't a censor off. a man. You can't censor a man. He's wearing pink headphones. That's the rule. That's <laughs> Where do you want to start? Um, I guess the first thing we should do is just go over what happened, essentially the history and how it built up. Want to go back in time to like literally the FTX Alameda history and like their link, like how they were founded basically to where we are today? Yeah. Because at some yeah, point yeah. in time, Let's it was go a over the history. Product, I'm it was. I've realized today as well that I am, um, I've been recommending it to people and like my parents have some in it. So I'm going to have to put out that fire once it, once it comes. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't had the conversation yet because I'm waiting until I find out more details, but <laughs> it's going to be yeah. an ent- entertaining conversation. Yeah, like back in the day, like you entered crypto in 2020, if I'm not mistaken, or 21. Yeah, I had bits before, but I got properly involved in 2020, end of 2020. Okay, so 2018, the main exchange that was ruling them all was BitMEX, right? And obviously now Arthur Harris, their founder, is all over the place talking just like as a narrator of the story. And it's quite funny that you have a narrator of the story, but he fucked up his own exchange as well. Um, but obviously the charges are very different from mismanagement of funds for Arthur. It was just like AML stuff. Well, not just, but AML stuff. But anyway, um, the exchange, I used it, right? I used to use BitMEX and BitMEX was very um, annoying to use because at, at any point in time when there was volatility, if you tried to push your order through, you'd have like this little red box at the bottom right of your screen and it would tell you that basically your order can't be can't go through and you have to retry over and over and over again. And if it's very volatile, it's very hard to enter or exit a position on BitMEX, right? So Alameda back then was a quantitative firm and it was founded by Sam. Sam before that worked at Jane Street, uh, also a quantitative trading firm. And he left, built up Alameda and they started trading crypto. And the story that he always talked about um, on podcasts was that he used to literally arbitrage physically the price of BTC between the US and I think it was Japan, either Japan or South Korea. I can't remember which one, but there was like a big difference in price, right? And that was like maybe 2014, 15, like uh, back then prices were all over the place. Like every country would have its own pricing, so to speak, right? So they arbitraged that and they made money there and they started to grow. And on BitMEX, there was this leaderboard 
right? Uh, it made a lot of people famous, the PNL leaderboard, especially not the one percentage wise, but the one in terms of how much notional PNL someone has had, like 7,000 BTC profit and everything was denominated in BTC back then, like on BitMEX. So Alameda had two places on the top 10 PNL leaderboard, and that's how they were like very known, right? And I think the tally of both um, accounts was like 15,000 BTC or something, which is obviously like a very large amount, um, especially back then. Uh, then they decided to build their own exchange, FTX, built by traders and for traders. That was like their initial slogan. Because BitMEX was just non-functional. Now, obviously, everyone had in their back of their heads that it's kind of weird or shady that a market-making firm, because they do make markets as well, right? And like a trading firm in general is building their own exchange. Like, it seems like they're going to use that information, like the order flow information for their own good and like profit off of it. But obviously not, because otherwise they would have been able to bail us out. Um, and... They started the exchange. Everyone had that thought in the in the back of their heads in terms of like conflict of interest between Alameda and FTX, but everyone sort of ignored it, right? Me included, right? We ignored it because they built a good product. It was functional, right? The liquidation engine was uh, softer than it was, for instance, on Bybit or BitMEX, right? Um, they were listing perps like really quickly. And that's the thing that differentiated them is that BitMEX had very few contracts that you could trade like you trade probably like five different assets and that's it but obviously there are thousands of tokens that people want to trade but no futures for them only spot like you'd find them on poloniex or bitrex like weird weird exchanges so they started listing perps for all of those right and really really quickly and sam back then was literally even involved in cs like 2019 even 2020 like, if you DM him and be like, I have this problem with my account, he'd solve it for you, right? So you saw someone who was customer-centric from their CEO, like, top-down, and product was good. Obviously, user interface needed working, and they worked on it, right? They uh, developed the app, and the app came in good, right? So all of it, like, they were on a really good track, and they became, like, top five, like, not in terms of spot. But in terms of futures, it became, like, they became the second best like right after Binance. So they had like quite the run up, right? And the guy became a billionaire. Like Sam became worth $22 billion um, while CZ was worth like 100 plus, right? But still second richest guy in crypto. And it's very weird to me that someone who was like the golden child of crypto, almost disheartening, so to speak, right? Um, the golden child of crypto just, just turn around and just fuck up the industry in the way that he did. It's insane as well, because it's not like when I first got in, FTX was the first exchange that I used by a long way. And it was the most trusted by everyone, the most recommended. And it's just the most unexpected move. Like I would, in a way, be less surprised if you said Binance was insolvent, despite the fact they're being 10 times the size just from yep. the PR front of it all. And it was insane that to, to hear that it could happen to them. Like the whole slogan was for traders by traders. And if you're yeah. for traders, then you're not going to be betting with their money on the side, which is yeah. insane. There's still no real information in regards to exactly what they've done, right? But we know that there's a hole in customers' funds. 
Um, and that holds like growing by the day seems to be like around $8 billion. Um, that's like the number that is being thrown around. Um, the theory is that they've lent that money out to Alameda and Alameda was using it to trade, like, so to speak, like just a summary of it overall. Um, and well, didn't end up too well for them as well. And obviously there's a side of like FTT, but the FTT story and, and why I was like not too bar- bothered by it when like broke and everyone was saying like FTX is printing FTT and they're sending them to Alameda. Al- Alameda is using it to um, as collateral to take out USD and they're sending that USD back to the exchange, right? And I'm like, I'm not too bothered by this because worst case scenario, it's not FTX overall that goes insolvent. It's FTT goes to zero, right? It's it's a fact that if people no longer trust that the collateral is worthy, it was worthy, right? The people that lent them the USD in the first place, they're just going to start selling it and it's just going to be a downward spiral and it'll go to zero. But it's not like an outright insolvency for FTX itself. Um, and then there was the obviously the rumor that FTX would be insolvent. But honestly, um, I, I was like the odds of that in my head were like, less than not less than a single percent of that happening it's just like too weird right um you just wouldn't expect it especially at their size um and their pr as you said but you know they were yeah i think yeah, than they it was it, the move came as such an unexpected move i remember i had most of my cash in there the only reason i took about 80 percent out was because it was two withdrawals in bitcoin and eth and i thought if i'm telling people that they need to take their money out who am I to not follow my own advice and just do that? So I took the mo- the main part out, but I left the rest because I thought there's absolutely no chance that it could be true. And it wasn't until I actually saw the withdrawals halted and then tried to withdraw myself that I thought it could actually be happening. I think that like everything surrounding on Twitter, we've seen so many false flags before that it came as a very unexpected move, even with kind of forewarning because I I wonder as well, who do you think, how do you think the first kind of news came about and how it broke on, because we had people speculating. I wonder where that initial source came from because from what I understand, it's a very tightly kept secret within the firm. In terms of how it circulated publicly or within the firm? Yeah, publicly prior to yeah. uh, anything actually happening, really. It was Coindesk. It was Coindesk. They were leaked um, a balance sheet um, document of Alameda, right? And it showed that they had more liabilities than assets, um, if I remember correctly. And so that was a story that broke and people started speculating on it. But for the most part, there weren't like any large withdrawals, so to speak, out of FTX. It only became real once CZ stepped in and tweeted that they're going to be selling all of their FTT on the market, but they're gonna do it slowly, right? At the same time, Caroline, who became like the CEO of um, Alameda, came in and said, we'll buy all of your FTT at $22 OTC, right? So you don't have to sell it slowly and wait for market prices. We'll buy all from you. Uh, and <clears throat> market price, when she tweeted that, was like $23 or $24. So quite a deal there, right? You're like losing 10%. By the time, a few hours later, price anyway went down to $22. So it was quite a deal. But understand, like, obviously why? Um Alameda was interested in buying it OTC because it would save them. But at the same time, as much as CZ looks like the sort of white knight uh, at the moment, I don't believe that he is 
Like, it's not like Binance didn't do anything shady ever, right? Um, it would be pretty, I don't know, uh, from my side, I would say ignorant to say that they've never done anything shady, right? Like, they, they've, they've released products that were not customer-centric by any means. And that's, like, the reason why I chose personally FTX over Binance because I remember... One of the one of the things that you have to look at is and like you've gone through options, right? But if a platform offers you the the ability to buy options but not to sell them, right? So not to underwrite the options, that's shady because that means they're just like pricing in whatever volatility that they want, right? They're putting in whatever premium that they want. And Bitmax did that back in the day with up and down contracts and everyone like shit on them. But at the same time, there was no other venue. But when Binance did that, I was like, well, it's very weird that they're doing it because it's just like it's not it's, it's not the most most ethical. I'm not sure if it's still there, but it wasn't the most ethical uh, thing to do. Um, so yeah. things like things like their liquidation engine as well, the way that it works is built almost against the people who are using that margin in the first place. They, they're essentially yeah. going after the money. Yeah. So FTX, like that's the thing, like FTX is because... Because they're future exchanges, like, and most people are trading futures on them, um, you really care about the liquidation engine, especially in crypto where everyone's like degenerately gambling, right? Um, so FTX would only liquidate you like when they really, really need to. Bitmax used to liquidate you with a certain margin of safety just to ensure that they don't end up paying um, for your losses if there is no market to pick up your order, like if you were long to sell your order, right? So they don't register a loss on their end and it has to come out, out of the... Um, uh, what was it called? The uh, the emergency fund that they had, the liquidation fund, had like 30,000 BTC in it at some point. I can't even remember the, its name. But anyway, that fund, that emergency fund, basically. Um, so FTX had the best liquidation engine out of all of them, right? Bybit has a horrendous one, for instance. Um, and you can look at it, and it's very simple to look at without having to go through the documentations and, and trying to depict, okay, what model would be better and whatnot. It's actually looking at any high volatility day, right? And then calculating the percentage of volume that a certain exchange has and then comparing it to the percentage of liquidations that they've had. And so Bybit, most of the time, they'd have like maybe 5% of the volume, but 15% of the liquidations. FTX would have like maybe 10% of the volume, but 8% of the liquidations. And so you could tell who's like, who's like a better liquidation engine. But obviously, that wasn't enough, um, like looking at it in hindsight now. What do you think of the theories that CZ came out here intentionally weeks, months, maybe even years ago, knowing that he has the equity and can, when the time comes, destroy his competitor? Uh, look, they were not playing a clean fight anyway. And it sort of started with Sam trying to push um, to lobby for regulations that would be against, well, DeFi for one, but uh, effectively Binance as well, to some extent, especially in the U.S., so they would limit their reach in the US, in the United States market. Um, so it started there, right? And there was one tweet where uh, Sam was making fun of CZ and saying, can he even come to Washington? And that tweet was obviously deleted since then. So it was not a clean fight already. And you can think of it that, I don't know what the previous, if there were any previous events, but if there weren't, then Sam, Sam sort of started it, right? Um, CZ then came in and he saw a, an opening, right? To say... Like everyone has doubts on FTX's solvency, no one believes it. And so he was like, in my opinion, he was like, okay, we can 
to some extent useless. We can limit our exposure, so on and so forth, to FTX and FTT and whatnot. But at the same time, we can migrate a lot of the money out of FTX into Binance and that money will stick, right? And before um, withdrawals were paused, about 1.2 billion, give or take, was taken out. I don't know, I'm sure like there's more, but there's 1.2 billion that people accounted for on-chain that went from FTX into Binance, right? Now you can think market makers and whatnot, but like given the circumstance, you'd reckon like the higher probability is that it's customers' funds moving out of FTX into Binance. So he did a great move there, like business-wise. But at the same time, I think the acquisition part was also like, I don't think he intended to, like thinking of it now in hindsight, I don't think that he intended to buy um, FTX because everything is conspiracies. Like there's no confirmed conversation whatsoever, but you can look at reputable sources or well, at least what you think is reputable sources nowadays <laughs> and think that they've gotten like decent information, right? And I remember Kobe had posted that he received information that the initial call between Sam and CZ, Sam was telling him that the hole that they need to fill is like between five to $10 billion, right? And so if it's five to 10, then CZ knows what's up, right? They can go through the due diligence, so on and so forth. But the bottom line is, can you cover the um, the hole, right? And can you, can you like give customers back their funds? And at that point, I think the hole was about $6 billion. No, at $6 billion, they were like, we're out, we've done the due diligence, it's too big for us, right? But at the same time, if the conversation is true that Sam had told him it's five to $10 billion, then you can tell that, again, it's all conditional. The LOI that they, the letter of intent that they, that they signed, right, was non-binding very on, obviously, it's just like a letter of intent. And they practically let... FTX go out publicly and say we're insolvent, right? They made them do it themselves. And so at that point, they just destroyed the competitor completely. And so I don't think they had the intentions of doing that. Now, Justin Sun is doing it again, but Justin Sun is not doing it in, for the sake of getting people to move to Huawei, for instance, right? I think he's doing it purely for the fact of like marketing, getting Tron back in people's mouth and making it popular again. Like Justin sounds honestly like king of marketing when it comes to like crypto. It's worth us going over um, what Justin Sun essentially is doing when it comes to this deal as well. Do you want to give us some insight into that? Well, the way I understand it is the only way you can withdraw from FTX is using Tron based, um, well, Justin coins. Right? So you can use TRX, you can use BTT, you can use uh, GST, Sun, uh, HT, Huobis token, and am I missing anything? I think it was no, like I think it's only the five. Yeah. But at the same time, they have not said how much they're willing to pledge every week. Right, They said that they will talk about it afterwards. Right, So <clears throat> they may only allow like $10 million per week to withdraw. But if there's $6 billion in there technically are not helping out a lot. But at the same time, he's pumped up the price of all of those tokens on FTX by a very significant margin. They all went up by 5x. Because when I saw the tweet, I considered it. I was like, okay, I have like a little bit of money left in there, right? Nothing significant. But if I can get it out, I can get it out, right? Like, why would I keep it in? <clears throat> and I considered that. But I went and I was looking at every one of those tokens prices. I was like, I'm going to get 20 cents on the dollar, right? And I was like, well, I'll just keep it in there. I don't know. It'll probably be like a Mount Gox situation where it goes like for 
a decade plus, right, before you see anything from it. But I just didn't bother like doing 20 cents on the dollar. But yeah, that deal is just literally getting marketing up for Tron. Yeah, it's, he, he said that he would... He supposedly signed an escape deal. I imagine the reason that this is being entertained by FTX and Sam is probably that this is a precursor to the deal that he then went on Bloomberg and was touting about. He said, I watched a Bloomberg live stream and he was on there and he was saying that um, essentially he needs to do due diligence, just as Binance said. But he said that everything's on the table and equity shareholdings on the table. He said that buying out fully is on the table and that simply just giving them a line of credit is on the table. Obviously, he is well known for trolling the industry in a lot of ways. And I feel like he's probably doing that again at almost an insensitive time. I, I posted on Twitter. I think that what he's doing now is kind of like going up to a family on the street who's just had their wallet and phone stolen and saying, I can buy every phone in the country. It's not the nicest way to approach it, but... He's definitely yeah. getting his point across that he's got a lot of power. And I think that he's, he's essentially going to pull this through as long as he can and then bring it all to an end once he realizes that it's pumped as much as it can for Tron. Yeah, I mean, he's pumped the price of Tron on FTX, though. Like, he didn't really pump it on other exchanges, right? And all of those tokens didn't really move too much on other exchanges. Because if you think of it, if anything, they would go down compared to market value because people are going to withdraw from FTX then dump it on another exchange. No one really wants to hold TRX, right? Or any of those tokens. They're just using it as like an intermediary. But the, let's talk about the contagion, right? Because that's news that's coming out today and today is Friday. So by the time this podcast is up, it'll probably be Sunday. But let's talk about that part, right? Because FTX and Alameda were invested in a lot of projects, right? Aside from that, a lot of people had money in FTX, and I reckon some projects probably had money in FTX as well, right? The, the weird thing, just like a side note, the weird thing is like the amount of people that have, uh, we talked about this yesterday, but I was very surprised by the amount of people that I consider like incredibly smart, right? And, and way smarter than me, right? To have kept a, a big portion of their net worth on FTX in general, let alone the fact like of the insolvency news and whatnot, but just in general, keeping their money on a single exchange, right? Use centralized exchanges. That's how you're going to go about it. Like diversify across them, right? Um, if you're only going to use centralized exchanges, but if anything, honestly, you should use cold wallets. But the contagion is, is quite big, um, it seems. Like uh, BlockFi stated that they've halted withdrawals, right? It's not a coincidence. Um, Ren as a project was almost acquired by FTX, if I'm not mistaken. A lot of what we're seeing as well is going to be essentially the precursor. I think I saw a tweet that said um, people saying that they're safe from the impacts isn't the same as people being safe. And that's the first thing, for example... SBF and FTX did was tweet saying that they're fine. The same thing happened with Voyager and all the other ones that we've seen go bust. So I think even though people are saying they're fine, we'll probably see a lot more contagion in the coming weeks. Yeah, I agree. Ren is trading at 10 cents and it's not really set any new lows by any means. But I reckon if the news breaks out that yes, they are insolvent, well, obviously it would just like crash completely. But the problem with Ren, like in that particular example, that project, well, that company, it's not called a project, um, is that there's a lot of REN BTC in there, right? So there's a lot of BTC within their reserves as well. So I really wonder like how much of a contagion all of this has. 
Um, An interesting thing to get your thoughts on would be there's so the, there's theories around whether this could form the bottom as soon as the news comes out or whether the contagion will be knock on effects which forms the bottom when 3AC happened for example when it was called out when people said contagion is going to cause the bottom was actually when the bottom was in itself do you think that it's going to be a similar case now or do you think that we're waiting for a lot more pain to come uh no i don't think it's a similar case i don't think it bottoms exactly as the news breaks out because if you look at it my my sort of gauge in regards to how people are pricing an ftx bailout is ftt's price ftt is still trading at three and a half dollars if it's trading at zero or like at cents and then at that point, I know that everyone has priced in, okay, full insolvency, it's Mount Gox again, and it's just going to take decades. But people still have hope, obviously from the likes of CZ, Justin, and whatnot, but also because Sam is allegedly trying, um, but FTX has not come out and said, I'll try it, okay, like, it, it is what it is, like, we're going to have to go through, like, court proceedings. Um, so people still have hope. And so that's why I think... Again, I'd love for FTX to eventually like be able to get bailed out because if it, if they do, it's just like it brings back the potential for a bull run to be like closer. Because now, if, if a bull run was going to happen in six months' time, this just pushed it by another six months, right? This entire chaos. Um, so I'd obviously love love it if they get um, bailed out, but yeah, I don't think it happens in terms of because the contagion is also not fully clear yet in terms of who's affected and who's not affected. What what percentage chance, and give us your reasoning behind it as well, but what percentage chance would you give a bailout at this point in time? A full bailout? Like a full... like, Or some, for, some form of bailout that will make customers whole? I would say because there are ways around this, right? There are ways in which they can structure this. Today, I'd probably say around maybe 10%. There's a 90% chance that they end up being insolvent. But 10%, 10 to 15% is what I would say the chances of them pulling through, right? I don't like what's happening with the Bahamas part, which we'll talk about in a second, right? And that's making me feel like that's lowering the odds of them pulling through. But if you look at other exchanges that have gone through this before, right? Mount Gox happened a very, very long time ago. It happened 2014, 13, 13 or 14, can't remember. Like I wasn't back, I wasn't in crypto back then, so I don't know the dates exactly. But back then they were like, no one thought of like issuing a token to make customers whole or like raising funds through like a token sale and whatnot. It would be, that would be very tough for FTX because they already got a token, right? But for instance, like Bitfinex had a hole that happened because of a hack, not because of mismanagement of funds, right? But they issued the Leo token, they raised a billion dollars through it, and that's how they made customers whole, right? Um, and they structured the token in a way where, you know, uh, the investors end up benefiting from Bitfinex's success. So they could structure something like that, because we were talking yesterday, if someone comes in and says, okay, here's $6 billion, what's the ROI on it? For you to come in and pledge $6 billion, you have to have it about... 100 to 150 billion dollars in crypto so you don't want to see that loss so you pledging 6 billion towards ftx to make customers whole actually is positive for your portfolio because it's a smaller amount 
right? It's less, less than 10% of your portfolio. And you want to avoid market prices like dumping for a long time. That's the only way it makes sense. But I don't know anyone who's got like 150 billion in crypto, like not even CZ, like most of his wealth is like in equity, uh, like in crypto, like in Binance equity. What about when it comes to sort of FTX employment, employee stories and kind of there's a lot of rumors floating around about Sam and what's been going on over in the Bahamas. Do you want to give us some information on those and what you think and how much do you think the employees actually knew about the situation as well? Well, the employees are saying that they, they didn't for the most part. They say that only the people at the top, like a group of 10 people, give or take, knew about this. According to the employees, you can't really tell the story, right? Um, I reckon as long as you had access to the back end in regards to like the fun side, anyone who's like part of finances would be able to tell some things off here because we're not fully like we're not one to one um, collateralized, so to speak. Right. Like we've got 10 billion customers funds, but I can only account for 8 billion in terms of our reserves. So that's weird. Right. It's like. We're running on fractional reserves, which according to our bylaws, we shouldn't. Um, so I don't fully, fully buy it, but I do know that a lot of people were also um, victims of it. Employees of FTX were also victims of this because at the end of the day, um, they had a lot of their money in FTX. They were paid on FTX and... Yeah, like I, I buy the part where like majority of the employees were kept in the dark. So um, the Bahamas part, it's always weird in terms of which jurisdiction these exchanges are picking, right? Like uh, Bitmax was um, incorporated in seashells, right? FTX chose the Bahamas. Um, Binance for some period of time chose uh, Malta, right? So this weird picking of jurisdictions is literally because corruption is higher in those countries. It's just the truth of it, right? Um, and the way I view the Bahamas to be corrupt in that sense is that they've issued a freezing of funds for FTX digital assets, right? They froze their funds. Yet, at the same time, withdrawals keep on happening. But only four people in the Bahamas, right? That rule, like what country, like you're telling me that I've registered my FTX account as a UK resident, right? You're telling me that the Bahamas have a rule that you, that you have to let your customers withdraw, but the UK doesn't, right? You're telling me that the UK is okay with people not being able to withdraw their money? Or is it because that they're there and they, you know, it's just that they own a you know, certain property or they just want to keep on living there. And that's why, like, they've had that backdoor deal, right? I, I, I can't, because it's, it's, it's very stupid. I can't fathom a country that would say, oh, yeah, we're all right. If, like, you can't withdraw your funds, like, you know, it's, it is what it is, right? But another country is like, oh, no, that's, like, illegal. Like, you'll go to prison if you don't let our residents withdraw. Like, it's fucked up. Yeah, it seems especially interesting after they issued the freeze on assets in the company that's in their name, but then must have somehow created a deal that allows it out to Bahama residents. I wonder if that has to be on paper or if that's something they can just do kind of off the cuff and, and go through that. I know there's quite a lot of- I have no clue. Quite a lot of um, 
dodgy deals and people trying to find workarounds in um, FTX with the Bahamas rules. Do you want to give us some details on those? <laughs> yeah. So initially, when that news started coming out, before before people knew that it was uh, the Bahama rule, right? Let's call it just the Bahama rule. Before people knew about it, they were just seeing uh, weird withdrawals coming out of FTX, right? And even us, we saw that and we posted that on Instagram, for instance, um, in terms of stories. Like, it's weird that FTX, like, processed a 200,000 USDC withdrawal, for instance, right? Like, for a single account. I thought withdrawals were halted. But then <clears throat> news came out and it was a Bahama rule. So what people started to do is either they knew someone who's a resident of the Bahamas and registered an account there or already had an account and they started transferring funds to them so they could withdraw on their behalf, right? Because they're withdrawing to crypto wallets. So it's like a very easy circle. <clears throat> so in the past, like in, in any single exchange, right? If you're on Binance and I'm on Binance, if I want to send you funds and you send me an address that is on Binance, it'll be like an instant, de- instant deposit, right? Same thing for FTX. It's instant. It doesn't go through the network. It goes like internally. Um, and so FTX halted those internal uh, deposits and withdrawals and transfers in general, the internal transfers, because otherwise it's just a way to stop people from trying to withdraw through the Bahama rule. And so people started circumventing that. The way they did is using the NFT marketplace because NFTs values in the eye of the beholder, right? So uh, someone in the Bahamas would buy an NFT, right? Put it on the marketplace. Say, for instance, I'm in the UK and you're in the Bahamas. This is hypothetical, right? And you purchase an NFT on the FTX marketplace and you post it that you want to sell it. And say, for instance, again, example that I've got a million dollars in FTX that I want to withdraw. So what I'll do is I'll just buy your NFT for a million dollars, right? You get the million dollars, you withdraw it from me, you send it through to me because you're a Bahama residence. And so that's that's the workaround that people are using now after the internal transfers um, were halted. Um, but I reckon maybe like they, they deprecate the, um, the FTX NFT marketplace because of that. Yeah. But one person in particular was very stupid publicly. Want to talk about that. <laughs> I have heard as well, just as an update for people listening, that they have now paused um, the NFT marketplace. There's no more trading going on in that at the moment. Um, but yeah, definitely want to talk about Algod. <laughs> yeah, go for it. Go for it. Go, go with the story. No, so, so there is a very well-known crypto trader who posted on his Twitter, which he has been using for many years, saying that if anyone is in FTX, an employee of FTX, he'd be willing to give 100,000 US dollars to process his KYC application. I think he realized how dodgy it sounded, so he made sure to clarify that he's already submitted everything, but is willing to pay someone to process it, and then he can take his money out. Um, and he obviously got quite like a load of DMs back because $100,000 is a lot of money. And I imagine quite a few scammers will be messaging him alongside probably a few and a few FTX employees, if we're honest. Um, and we do know for a fact that his did get processed because we saw withdrawals on chain and he posted afterwards saying it's all good. Essentially, his money has come out and his KYC went through. And considering the time and everything that's happening at the moment, I find it very hard to believe there's a team processing KYC. So I imagine it's probably through that money. I wonder if expediating KYC 
is a crime in itself if his identity is legitimate. I'm not actually sure. Well, again, that's like the the, the hypothesis of saying that his ident- the identity that he's using is legitimate, right? But he deleted all of those tweets because he realized like it's it's a felony or like illegal. It's a crime to to be to be bribing basically, especially when it's like a public case, like it's a case as public as FTX because you're basically paying to publicly be in front of the line of other people who have. Uh, funds or life savings inside of um, FTX. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of corruption happening. Like, I don't know how many employees they've got over there at FTX. A lot of them were um, are salty about what's happened. A lot of them have, uh, and righteously so, right? A lot of them have their um, life savings on FTX. They used to get paid, like FTX was like a bank account. Like one of the things that I read that came from one of the employees at FTX. And he was saying that Sam promoted FTX like a bank for them, right? And it's like, they even offered them, so they paid them through there um, and that boosted them to create products in which they can pay for like real life things um, through their FTX accounts, creating FTX pay, so on and so forth, right? And they even offered them like equity at one point in time at half the price and up to 250k uh, per person and a lot of them from like senior level to to uh entry level all of them like most of them at least like end up buying equity right um and so that equity all of it is on ftx like even if you go to ftx i remember seeing that a long long time ago you'd see ftx equity right so i reckon all of the investors had ftx accounts as well and their equity was in there and same thing for all the employees their their equity was um on ftx too so if someone has just lost their life savings and all of the money that they've had because like an employee that and has because everything is on ftx humanly speaking right and i'm not saying it's ethical it's definitely not ethical and morally wrong but humanly speaking i can understand why they would accept a bribe if they're able to, um, you know, prioritize or expedite someone's withdrawal. I can understand. It. Imagine if they've had like, I don't know, 200K in there, or 300K in there, and someone just offered them 100K. They know the 300K is not coming back. So I can understand that happening, right? Again, not ethical, morally wrong, but I can see that happening. And that's how corruption happens overall in the world. Yeah, and I do think a lot of people will see it because generally you have a a self-focused view on the world. So most people who will be in that situation will kind of see it as them getting what they deserve back, getting their money back from the system. They won't think about, it won't even cross their mind that they're taking that money away from a line of creditors. It probably won't even be something they think about. And if they were to realize that, it would probably be a different story. But it's always so simple to view the view world through like a self-focused view. And um, it's interesting, there are, I know you, you mentioned, I hadn't heard about it until just before this when you sent it over in the chat, but there are some interesting rumours going on about Sam and um, yeah. what they do over in the Bahamas as well. So uh, I'll start off with this. So I remember about a year ago, give or take, um, you know Nas Daily, the guy who creates uh, videos about you know, the short form videos about different things in the world or different people in the world. And it's quite popular overall. And he did that for Sam uh, like about a year ago, right? In the Bahamas. And it was titled the 
uh, most generous billionaire um, on earth because Sam was all, always saying that he's pledging all of his um, wealth when he dies to charities, right? 100% of it. And he was portrayed as a guy who drives a Corolla, who lives very, uh, who sleeps on a beanbag and is very low maintenance in general and like doesn't splurge by any means, even though he's a billionaire. But again, maybe it's rumors, maybe it's true, maybe it's not true. I'm, I'm telling you what I'm seeing, right? But apparently he had $200 million plus worth of property in the Bahamas, right? Um, and a lot of it was leased out. So he purchased the property and anytime a new property came on the market, he would purchase it, especially like in a certain compound. I'm, I've never been to the Bahamas, so I can't really tell. Uh, I don't know, like the area names and whatnot. Um, but every time a new property would come onto the market, he'd purchase it and he would lease it out to FTX employees, right? Um, sort of like the McDonald's model of buying the land and leasing it out to franchise, uh, to people who would come in and do it like a franchise, right? Which, you know, fair. Um, especially if he's giving them a good deal. But apparently, he lived with another nine people in the same house, um, all FCX employees, high level. And I've seen that tweet and I can't find it again, right? But I've seen it once. And it's, it's just like that weird tweet that you read it and you're like, okay, I'm trying to look for it again and you never find it. But apparently they were involved in a romantic relationship, right? But it didn't have enough detail to, to, to say whether all of them were involved or it was like couples, right? So five couples, which is like very normal. Or like it's like mix and match. I don't know. Um, but yeah, some weird things came out, are coming out uh, out of this story. But again, I'm sure there's a good portion of what's coming out that's just like rumors or someone trying to bash them or someone using it for engagement and whatnot. But I'm also sure like 80% or at least 70% of it is like true. Yeah, and I think that the property side of things, the owning the compounds, that will be very easy to prove. So we'll be able to see and kind of gauge how much truth we think is based in that story from that. I, I heard rumors as well that he was, um, well, I imagine it probably forms part of the same rumor, but sleeping with Caroline, who's the CEO of Alameda. But I don't know if that is, um, there's, there does tend to be a lot of rumors being thrown around. Yeah, I think, you know, the Bahama rule, the more I think of it, and the more I think that we, he's there because he's, conf, he's convinced officials to sort of let him run there and like change the rules um, in terms of what's legal, what's not legal, um, especially regarding crypto. Like he had like influence on the regulations in the Bahamas and he tried to do that in the US, but he had influence on the regulations in the Bahamas when it came to crypto regulations. And you do that like through money usually. Um, but Maybe, and again, that's a theory, maybe he's convinced Bahamas officials to have accounts on FTX and have money on there, right? Um, and so now they're like, well, nope, we're going to withdraw our money and you're just going to let it flow. We're going to take it out. Um, and we're going to do that for every Bahamian resident. Um, so again, that's just like a theory and uh, very hypothetical. Like, I don't know if that's true or not true, but I can imagine that being the scenario because it's weird that only a single country in the world cares about its residents. Like, I doubt that. Yeah, it definitely sounds like some grease palms. I just got a notification um, and we were talking about Contagion and B2C2 there. I think it was CEO. Mm -hmm. CEO has stepped down. Uh, 
I haven't read why, I just saw the headline, but I imagine it's probably something to do with the contagion of this. Yeah, uh, you know the tweet that I was telling you about, like right before we started this, um, about the darker side of the story that CZ was um, already aware of um, Sam's actions and that he told them in private that your actions are reckless and like to some extent gave him a warning and that gave him no choice but to go public with it, which obviously can be just um, a theory. But the guy who posted it works at B2C2. I'm not sure if it's the CEO though. I have to double check. I have to find it first, to be fair. Was that the article that, that was saying that CZ kind of knew about it and told Sam to stop? Yeah, it's that, it's, it's that, it's, it was a Twitter thread. I wonder if he was, I wonder if there are, <laughs> it's going to sound very conspiracy theory and it is, I doubt it's true, but just something for thought is that if um, he posted that and then has been forced to step down because of posting it. Maybe. I, I doubt it, I um, doubt it, but it's always good to have a cynical view on the world because a lot of cynical stuff happens, <laughs> like FTX exploding. Yeah. But you know you know what's weird is that today the focus is on SBF, right? It's all on Sam. Everyone hates Sam and like, granted. Um, oh, that's news. Okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get back to my point in a second. But you know Tom Brady and his wife, uh, Giselle, the model. So they had a, well, accumulated wealth, also like combined wealth of like $650 million, right? And obviously Tom Brady like did a lot for FTX in terms of marketing and whatnot, and they were partnered, but allegedly that they've got a lot of their um, capital, like majority of their, of their wealth of like that $650 million invested in FTX. And news just came out that Giselle his wife just bought an $11.5 million mansion directly across the pond from Tom Brady's home, although they're married, right? So it sounds like someone got their money out of FTX or at least a portion of it. Yeah, I think that it's a risky time as well because Tom Brady probably got given his, I don't know how much, I know he did invest some, but I think I imagine quite a lot of it would have been free. Um, I saw something saying that, that it compared the amount that he loses to FTX with how much he would make from football in one year. So I don't know how significant it is because mm. you see like both scales of things. I wanted to go into, to be fair, we can use it as, as a segue. I, I did have a quick look um, and he's still playing for some team. I don't know who, but I saw one of them is still okay. loving the game. And um, okay. the other one, the second result is why is Tom Brady still playing football, which is kind of what I think. He's too old for this. Okay. <laughs> Um, something I wanted to yeah. something I wanted to ask about was you mentioned the fact that Sam is now currently fully in the headlights and it's all coming down on him and you can tell that this is yeah. true because we've had two basically crypto enemies come out of the woodwork in the last week with Do Kwan and Suzu exactly. and they both came out within this exact moment after this happened probably within hours to be fair after the news happened it was on the um up only stream that Do Kwan came on and Suzu was tweeting some strange things. But what's your view on yeah, that and kind right. of how it, how it works and why they've come out now? Uh, you always need a new um, scapegoat, scapegoat to some extent or like a new main character on CT. And you never want to be the main character on CT, right? Because the main character is usually the villain. Right. So see, Sam is right now the main character. Suzu was the main character. Well, became the main character at one point. And that's when 
Murad came back, right? Because Murad was also like had his fund be like blow up. But at the same time, like Murad lost money for his investors. It wasn't like an entire crypto contagion, right? But also the market was way smaller back then. Um, so as soon as um, like Su could have come back, well, really couldn't have come back when Do Kwan became the main character because it happened like at the same time, right? It all happened like one after the other. Um, but now that Sam has all of the like all the focus and the eyes are on Sam, Sue feels safe just for some reason, and he's coming on Twitter, right? And he weird like he, he's tweeting very weird things. And Do Kwan being like pursued by every three letter agency in the world and the Interpol went on a live stream, right? It's it's a very weird thing, but I'm sure like this tells you that eventually Sam, if he doesn't go to prison, and I, to some extent I sort of doubt it. Right. Um, not going to lie. When you when you donate that much money uh, to political campaigns, um, you're likely able to not go to prison. Um, so I kind of doubt Sam goes to prison, but maybe in a year's time or so, like after this whole debacle happens, assuming like, again, if FTX is like fully goes under and it's like a Mount Gox situation, he'll come back in a few years time. But not certain because it's more, it's less of a Suzu, now that I think of it, it's not, less of a Suzu um, situation and more of a Mark Carpellis situation. Mark Carpellis was the CEO and owner of Mt. Gox, right? Because you've lost users' funds, you're never welcome. Yeah, I do think, so, yeah. you d- I doubt, um, I think Sam duped everyone to the point where he probably won't be welcome back, whereas everyone thinks Doquan didn't dupe everyone. He did it to a certain extent, but realistically, if you'd looked in the documents and thought about it, you can understand the failure point. Whereas Sam is just a straight up lie, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, Doquan can go with like failed experiment. Suzu's like hedge fund were risky anyway. We just fucked up. Um, and well, Sam, not, not really, because he did something that's like frowned upon and illegal. Something I found hilarious, I was watching that stream that Do Kwan came onto and they had Mark, Martin, I never know how to say his last name, I think it's Shigrelli, um, who's yeah. the guy who hiked pharmaceutical pills from $12 to $750 and is essentially one of the most hated figures in healthcare or the world, full stop for what he did. He did go to prison, but for separate things, he went to prison for wire fraud. And he came on to the show and basically told Do Kwan that if he does go to prison, it's not actually that bad, which is <laughs> incredible twist. Yeah, it was it was funny. Like I saw that clip. Uh, I actually watched a bit of the stream, but I didn't get to see what like I didn't get to see when he came on. Um, but I saw that clip of him telling them, hey, you know, like prison is not that bad. <laughs> so yeah, um, yeah. And I saw they had um, Ledger from Up Only was on another thing, and he was saying basically how he hated that podcast because there was two of the people that he hates most in the world who they had to deal with being on the stream. Yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Another interesting thing that I wanted to get your opinion on, or find out if you knew about it and kind of get your view on it, was that um, the one of Sam's catchphrases is effective altruism. That's what he's supposedly doing. Um, the book itself is referred to a lot and the guy who wrote the book was actually one of Sam's main advisors in kind of work and life and now this guy has been so discredited it's almost insane because he wrote a book on effective altruism and then advised Sam who kind of did the opposite in every way uh, the way I look at it to be fair if, if you want to be 
altruistic and you want to do good in the world, right? You shouldn't really publicize it, right? Um, it's more of a personal aspect of your life. If you're publicizing it, then you're not doing it. You're not spending the money to be altruistic. You're spending the money for PR. There's a saying in Arabic that when you give some, like what you give to people, basically like roughly translated, if you give someone something with your right hand, your left hand shouldn't even know that you've given that person that money, right? Um, because being generous and generous or altruistic is a private matter. If you're using it and publicizing it, right, then it's PR, right? Now, granted, you can set up like FTX Foundation and like that being a charity, that's different because then you're sort of, you're set up, you've set up a charity for people to give money to and that charity will then give money to people. It's like an intermediary. I'm not saying like the charities are like all frauds, although majority of them uh, spend way too much money on themselves rather than on people. Um, but whenever someone talks too vividly about this, and maybe that was a telltale sign, right? That I should have paid more attention to. Like what other people are saying is if you look at Sam's progression health-wise, it was deteriorating severely, right? And that severe deterioration, especially as you step down as CEO, your responsibilities just go down drastically, right? Um, like he, he's put someone as CEO of FTX and someone as CEO of Alameda. So he's not really involved day to day anymore. Um, but still his health was deteriorating. He was lethargic. Um, he, his blood pressure looked like it was through the roof. Um, he was like discolored, so to speak. Right. Even though like he claimed to be vegan, um, and that doesn't have to do with with the this, like the discoloration, but it has to do with like high blood pressure, like because that usually comes from food and stress. Um, do you think? But do you think this is a legal move? Do you think him stepping down as CEO is to uh, kind of wash his hands of what was going on? Because there's obviously no way he didn't know about it, and he's essentially putting other people on the on the on the hook as well. If he did, I don't know, but if he did. As illegal as it is, right? It's a gigabyte move. What about we go on to um, kind of market impacts and what we're likely to see coming out the other side of this? Because there's obviously so many unknowns with what's going to happen next. We've got the contagion and we've seen a dump. But then our cryptonary's thesis that we've been working with around the CPI kind of starting to recover it on this print actually played out true and it would have been amazing if we didn't have the biggest black swan in crypto history. <laughs> yeah, it's almost like God looked at us and was like, you're going through like so much, I'm going to help you out, right? <laughs> like that's how the CPI print felt. Like it came at the, at the perfect timing, perfect day, right? And at the perfect rate. Came in better than people expected. The expectations were 7.9, came in at 7.7, showing that inflation is starting to go down. So maybe the Fed starts to ease off, um, tightening in general, right? And that boosted the market. Um, but really, it's a matter of seeing how much, how this contagion unravels, right? And that contagion, to be fair, the market is holding up way better than I would have expected with like second top exchange, like going insolvent. Right. Obviously, market is not fully pricing in insolvency yet. Like you can see that from the price of FTT. Um, but even if it did, like would see like further downside. But what we'll probably bottom on the day if there's an insolvency, we'll 
well, bottom of the day where it's like officially an insolvency, like, and there's no bailout, right? Um, but to be fair, all of this, I can't really tell you about the short term, right? Like short term, just like, I, I reckon my theory is, again, nothing that we say is not financial advice, is financial advice, literally, well, nothing that we say is financial advice. Just like wanted to clarify need to that, clear that. And not have like any, yeah, need to make that clear. And literally, the name of our podcast is not financial advice. Um, but anyway, I like putting out that disclaimer just in case. I think that we bottom on the day if there's an insolvency, we bottom on that day, right? And if there isn't an insolvency and there's some sort of bailout, we rally on that day, um, and like bottom is set um, because the Fed pivot seems to be like closer uh, for us. But at the same time, when are the midterms? Have they happened? Yeah, they've when, been. When they it wasn't. I, I haven't seen the full results, but I know it wasn't a red wash that people were expecting. So I think it was mixed results. Okay. okay so the fact that it happened, then it was a CPI print. So there's no like manipulation of data and whatnot, because um, like they're through with it. Um, yeah, if a Fed pivot's like coming up, then and it seems like like odds are, are better now, then we'd see like a decent rally, not towards like all time highs and whatnot. Like that would take time. Um, especially like trust in the market. But at the same time, all of this happening, like this is the short term. Insolvency, we bottom on that day. Bailout, we rally on that day, in my opinion. From now until then, it's very uncertain and we'll just like flip-flop between prices, like basically go sideways with volatility. Um, unless it like it drags on for a very long period of time and then in that case, we'll, we'll go sideways without volatility, which is like worse, in my opinion. Um, but at the same time, all of this, if you think, if you go back to like the 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 beginnings of crypto, the very first block that Bitcoin, um, like the genesis block of Bitcoin, had um, just the, the same sentence that was in I think it was the New York Times or can't remember which or Wall Street Journal or something about the UK Chancellor bailing out banks, right? And the entire reasoning behind the creation of crypto was to fight. The corruption that happens because because of centralization, right? And unfortunately, we're seeing that same side of same type of corruption happen in crypto centralization, right? Which you'd expect that at least in crypto centralization, you wouldn't have that because the the principles are different, or like sort of the motto of crypto is different, maybe, right? But obviously not, because even though he was a billionaire, right, and FTX was doing very very good, they still had greed, um, and they still wanted more. They, they risked more, right? Same thing with Suzu. The, guys was, the guy was a billionaire. Like they had 18 billion in the fund or like 10 billion plus at least. And they still over-risked. So I, I don't know like what status they were trying to achieve. Maybe like first trillionaire in the world. But like that's not how you do it if you wanted to do it. Um, <clears throat> so the way I look at it, it's just human nature. Corruption ought to happen um, with greed. People give in to greed. Um, especially at higher levels of success, right? Because they want more and that and, and achieving more becomes like a level of progress. And we know that without progress, if you don't feel like you're progressing, you feel like you're deteriorating and just feels like shit, right? So it's very obvious that we need to have decentralization, right? You cannot have ownership of users' funds. You should have self-custody. And we've seen that the market has spoken. Like I, the way I look at prices is like the market is speaking to us at any point in time. And if you look at DYDX, just one example, not a shill or anything, but DYDX performed like pretty good throughout all of this. And it's, and if you think of it, it's clear why it performed really good because it's like, okay, centralized exchanges are a complete failure, right? 
um, because even though they're doing like they're, they're building good products, they don't know how to manage funds, right? And yesterday it's FTX. And maybe Binance is like fully uh, on point and they've got like all of the funds that they need to have and they're not mismanaging funds, right? But there's some sort of, a, there's a vulnerability as long as you've got a human element in it, right? So that's where I think this, as, as bad as it is for crypto in the short term, is really good for DeFi. And yeah, DYDX price sort of proved it. Um, so... I, I honestly, I can view this as a net positive for crypto. Yeah, I think in over the long term, we're going to see this play out over many, many years. Realistically, I think in the short term, the regulation that we see as a result is probably going to be painful. But over the long term, all this has done is underscore and emphasize the need for decentralization because we can avoid things like what's happened today and what's happened previously in crypto, but also what's happened in 2008 in the financial crisis. Banks being bailed out isn't a fix to the problem. It's just creating a bigger problem that's going to last longer. And decentralization realistically is the only way that we're going to sustainably prevent these sorts of things. And essentially self-culpability where everyone's trusted looking after their, their own funds. And if they don't trust themselves, then they can give it to an intermediary. But that is realized before you do it. You don't end up by going default to an intermediary. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's it's just one of those, those things. Like just like a, a note to end on, the movies that are come out, that are going to come out of these stories in crypto are going to be way better than The Big Short and way better than The Wolf of Wall Street. I just know that they will be. It's the, the on this note, there's something that is worth considering whilst we end is that The Big Short was essentially someone who kind of didn't really break the law, just made a really, really good trade. Whereas this is people who have broken the law, people who have made good trades, people who are selling NFTs to wash money to take out in the Bahamas, multi-million pound, hundreds of million pound houses, sex parties, co-working. There's a lot that's going to be in the film and it's going to be a good one. It's like the Wolf of Wall Street on steroids. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's going to be crazy. Well, thank you very much for coming along for the podcast, Karee. It was good to speak to you. Ah, Thank you. Thank you. All right. Awesome. Thank you, everyone. But of course, it's not financial advice.